You are listening to the Her Money Matters podcast, episode 56. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the podcast to help you take control of your finances. Join your host, motivational money coach, Jen Hemphill, as she shares with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's get to it. Hey, parents, thank you so much for tuning in. We had a fantastic time celebrating the one-year birthday of this podcast, and I really appreciate you being a part of it. We had some fun carrying out five different missions. We gave away some books that were authored or are authored by some of our previous guests on the podcast, so that was a lot of fun. And today we have not one, but two guests to introduce you to. We're making history, if you will, again, in the Her Money Matters podcast. As a few weeks ago, we first made history with the first male guest, uh, which was my husband. And today we have two guests versus a one. So I'm excited to introduce to you to today's guests as they share the same passion as I do about financial education. In today's episode, you're going to learn why being aware of reactions and money stories are important. And you're going to learn what Michael Jordan and BJ Armstrong have to do with your finances. So that's an interesting story there. And how lack of transparency affected this couple's marriage and what they did about it. Let me share with you a little bit about this power couple, Ty and Talit. Talent and Ty McNeely are considered America's number one money couple. They are financial educators that are on a mission to get individuals and couples on the same page financially and to experience the joys of financial freedom. They are co-authors of Money Talks, the ultimate couple's guide to communicating it about money. They are also hosts of the top-rated podcast, The His and Her Money Show. Their website, hisandhermoney.com, has been featured in numerous publications such as foxnews.com, msn.com, and Business Insider. So are you ready to meet Ty and Talat? Because I sure am ready to introduce them to you. So let's go ahead and do this. Well, welcome, Tala and Ty, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I can't say enough how excited I am to have you on the show. And we're excited to be here with you, Jen. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. No, thank you for being here. I have to tell you I'm a fan. Well, one, your podcast. Two, uh, your YouTube videos. I've really, really enjoyed that. And just your passion to serve. That really has struck like what you're about, your passion to serve is just really evident in your nonstop hustle and just your presence literally everywhere I find. So definitely I'm excited to talk to you because I wanted to share that to my listeners uh, so they get to know what I've experienced and your perspective as a couple on money. Awesome. So you're ready to dive in? Let's do it. All right. Perfect. So tell me, I want, I mean, we can start with you, Talat, how you grew up with money, and then I want to hear from Ty how she grew up around money. So let's start with you, Talat. Well, I grew up in a middle-class home um, that was very frugal, you know, couponing, trying to find the best deals on everything, 
And, you know, sometimes as a, as a child, you don't really understand that. You don't get the reasoning behind it. And I think that one of the things that kind of hurt me as I left the nest and went out on my own was I didn't understand why my parents would cut corners here and there financially, why I had to go to school with the Payless shoes on. I couldn't go and get the Jordans like all my friends and why I always had to work to get money even at as early as, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old. I couldn't just say, hey, can I have some money to do this or that? It was, well, you got to go work for it. What are you going to do? And, you know, as a child growing up, you don't always get the lessons that your parents are trying to give to you. So sometimes you have to go out into the real world and you have to learn it from the school of hard knocks, which is what I had to do. So although I had parents that were very thrifty and frugal to the point that they retired with their home paid off, not owing anybody any money, they did all the right things. Um, but that didn't necessarily translate to me following in their footsteps initially as an adolescent. I had to go out there and make a whole bunch of mistakes of my own with my name on it in order to let those lessons eventually sink in. Gotcha. And you you said it with your name on it. <laughs> That's a big impact. And how about you, Ty? How did you grow up around money? I also grew up you know, in a middle-income home. Uh, my family... I am identical twin sister, and I come from uh, five children in total, so it was a seven-person uh, household. And my parents are very frugal with money as well, too, very conscious of the way that they spent money. Uh, we coupon every single Sunday after church, after eating a big dinner with the family. We would sit down and watch, you know, like a Lifetime movie and coupon. Um, we also, my parents also, you know, shop at like your thrift stores and things like that. And I didn't really understand it when I was young. I just thought, wow, my parents are like super cheap, you know, and I would be lying if I said that it did not affect me or bother me as a child because I also saw my friends with a lot of name brand items and things like that. And I just didn't have that, but I will say that I never went without. So now that I'm older, I am an adult. I can now look back and I can appreciate the way that my parents, um, reared my sisters, my brothers and my sisters. Um, and I'm grateful for it, uh, but it's taught me how to handle money properly to the point where I was able to pay off uh, my own vehicle without having a co-signer at the age of 19, wow. $13,000 car, I might say. And I was also able to put myself through college um, and get a degree in finance. And I credit all of that to the way that my parents raised me. They didn't necessarily preach to us, like, uh, save your money, do this, but I saw more in actions. You know, that spoke louder than words. I, I've watched how they handled their money, and so I tried to implement, implement the same thing. Wow. So at 19, you paid your car off, and you you didn't have a co-signer? No, I did not. As a matter of fact, that's a really funny story. I came home one day, and I said, Mom, Dad, come outside and look at my car, and I'll never forget their, the way that they looked at me. My mother looked, she was like, you went out and bought a car? And I thought it was odd, because I thought, wow, doesn't, you know, every 19-year-old bought me. You know, at first the car at the car dealership. My my parents told me that I would they would never co-sign for me, so I just knew that I had to go do it on my own. And so when I told them to come outside and look at the car, they looked at me and they said, "Are you able to buy this?" And I'm like, "Yes." So now I see the the smart thing would probably have been, you know, I probably should have told my parents, "Hey, guess what? Can you all come with me? I'm about to go buy a car." So if I had a chance to do it all over again, I would have brought them with me. Um, but they were extremely proud of me, and I despised that so much that I paid off in 13 months. Every time I would get paid, all my checks went to paying off that vehicle. Wow, that is awesome! But I was just like amazed that you didn't have you didn't have to have a cosigner. No. so you must have had like credit already established and all that good stuff. Actually, I didn't. I think it was just probably my work history. 
Um, I didn't have a credit card. Let me take that back. Maybe I did get a credit card my first year in college. So maybe I did have a credit card then, but I could not have had it for maybe a year. Right. Uh, but I had consistent employment, and I took my pay subs up there, and they approved it. And they were like, hey. That is awesome. Well, that's great. So let's fast forward to when you both met. And if you want to share how you met, that would be awesome, too. And uh, so share how you met and then how your money stories, how you grew up around money, how it set the tone for your marriage. Well, we initially met in high school. Um, we went to high the same high school. We, we first met freshman year, dated kind of sort of sophomore year. And then it was really after senior year that, like, right at the conclusion of senior year is when we got serious and started dating um, on, in, a, in a serious way. The irony of our story is that we grew up around the same situation as far as the way our parents raised us around money. The problem was that we had two different reactions to the way that we were raised. So for me, it was a turnoff. I wanted to be the opposite of what my parents were. So as soon as I left the house, so I enlisted into the military right after graduating high school. So at 17 years old, I was gone off on my own with my own paycheck. And so I knew that once I got my own money, I wanted to do exactly what they didn't do. I wanted to name brand everything from head to toe. And so I became a very reckless spender and blew my money. I didn't implement, I didn't, Excuse me, I didn't emulate what my parents did. I strove to be the complete opposite because I thought what they were was cheap. Not that they were smart or wise with their money, but I thought they were being cheap. And so I wanted to go out and just spend, spend, spend. And I spent myself into over $30,000 worth of debt and I had nothing to show for it. It's not like I went and got an education with the money or went and uh, bought some real estate with the money. It was just a bunch of frivolous consumer debt. Payday loans, signature loans, furniture loans, car loans, stereo speaker loan. I mean, it was just a loan for everything. If there was a uh, a form of debt out there, I wanted to know more about it. And I wanted to sign my name up for it for some reason. And so I just made all the wrong decisions that I possibly could. And that's complete opposite of what Ty's reaction was. That is interesting because you said a keyword how your the reaction was different. And so you got married and so you had, you you both uh, grew up around some of the, had a similar upbringing as far as like how your parents um, spent or taught you about money. But tell me uh, as when you got married, like, did you have any challenges because you both had completely different reactions, you know, and how you saw money. So tell us a little bit about that and how you handled it. Actually, the challenge is, Peaked head prior to marriage. Uh, we we did the typical. We went and had premarital counseling. Um, I thought I was doing all the right things by requesting that we both pull our credit reports and things like that. And and you could tell I had some some debt and some issues per se, but I didn't know that it was really really bad. Um, I did not know that he was keeping some information from me in regards to how much money he really owed. Because he was afraid. He knew that here was, here was, I didn't have any debt. I had a great credit score, and he thought that I would run away from him uh, because he was a total opposite. So he picked up a second job. He was delivering pizzas, and I thought he was just hustling really hard. I'm like, yeah, I love this. I got a man that works, he's working two jobs. I didn't know that he was working that second job so he could hurry up and dump all the debt prior to getting married. 
But the issue was he couldn't pay it all off prior to marriage. So about three months prior to us getting married, that's when we finally sat down, we had a conversation, and it came out. And, of course, I was distraught. I was hurt because I thought, wow, trust, you know. Here it is, I'm about to marry someone, and trust is big, even in marriage. So I had to do a lot of praying um, and just asking God, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And I knew that uh, my husband was not... I tell people he was not abusive to me verbally or physically. He was a great man. All the qualities that my father taught me for what to look for in a man, he had it. So I knew that, hey, we can get through the debt um, because he treated me like, like gold. you know. And now almost 10 years later, his credit score is better than mine. I mean, he probably knows a little bit more financial uh, information more than I do. And, hey, we're rocking out 10 years later, and I'm so happy that I did not let fear set in. Um, and I did not let that, you know, tear us apart from getting married. So prior to getting married, we had some challenges. So needless to say, when we got married, we thought the best thing would be for me to handle money. But oh, were we wrong? Um, I was happy that my husband said, hey, you know what? You're great at, at money, so how about you handle the budget and you do everything? I said, oh, great idea. Um, but we didn't realize that actually it was a bad idea. Because he started to resent me and I started to resent him. I started to think, wow, here it is. I'm putting together the plan and... You're not really being appreciative. And he thought, he felt as if I was a parent treating him like a child. So I went, here, here's $20 to $30, go spend it. And all he knew was he went to work every single day. Why does he have to spend $20, $30? You know, so we bumped heads. You want to? Yeah, and just took a lot of bumping of heads to realize that our master game plan was actually terrible because we were not operating as a team. Mm-hmm. Ty was doing 100% of the work and I was doing zero. And that's not the way a team works. But also a lot of people hear the word team, especially when we're talking about couples and finance, and they think that them and their spouse are supposed to do everything 50-50. And that's also a false myth. The thing about it is a good team, a championship team, knows how to play to their strengths. So we always give the analogy of, Growing up in Chicago in the mid-90s, we were all about the Chicago Bulls. And so everybody knows that on one side of the backcourt, you had Michael Jeffrey Jordan, but nobody really knows who B.J. Armstrong is. And that was the other guard, the point guard for some of those championships. And it's not as though B.J. and Michael had 50% of the workload that they were responsible for. No, Michael had much more to do. And he had much more responsibility as a leader of the team. But BJ had an important role to play, too, as a distributor, as a point man. And the reason that they became champions is because both teammates played to their strengths. So it's not necessarily that they each played a role that was 50-50, but they each played their role, and they each played their role well. And because they stuck to their strengths, they were able to win the championship. And so that's how it's got to be with your, your finances as well. So... Maybe both of you aren't good with the numbers, but one of you is stronger in that area, so that person lines all the numbers up, but the other spouse doesn't get to just sit on the bench and wave the towel and cheer the other spouse on. No, you got to get in the game, too. So after the numbers are lined up, now you both have to sit down and discuss and talk and go back and forth, and you both make the final decision as to the final numbers for the month. So you got to operate as a team, and that is a hard lesson that we have to learn, but thank God we eventually learned it. No, I, I think you're you're so very right, and I agree. And congratulations on almost 10 years of marriage. That's wonderful. I I know in, in my experience, too, just in, in marriage and just talking to others, I always believe I have, the just like you, the belief that both need to be in the know of the money, not 
you don't have to both sit down and pay the bills, but I think you brought up a really critical point is knowing each other's skills and using those um, to help uh, manage the finances and being clear what your weaknesses are (laughs) and what your your, uh, strengths are. So I think that's really, really critical because I see that a lot where some uh, some women, since I work with women, um, want to be more involved or Maybe they're the ones managing the money, but their husband doesn't even want to even bother. Um, mm-hmm. But I so feel so strongly that both need to be a part. Some have some sort of role in some parts. So I really love that you're doing that. And and along those lines, can you t- run us just about a month of how it looks like in your household in terms of managing your money, just in terms of like who does what? Maybe the tools that you may use. Maybe if you sit down, I don't know, once a week or do you, those type of things. Tell us a little bit how that goes. Well, because I work at home, I am the one that, you know, usually pulls up the banks, uh, bank accounts and I look at everything and I also um, put together the budget. But then when talent comes home, usually once a month, we like to do this prior to uh, the month starting. We sit down and we go over the numbers. Now, because we've been doing this for a while, our budget from month to month really doesn't alter or change that much um, unless we have some type of expense that's coming up unexpected or maybe a vacation or something we have to pre-plan for. But for the most part, everything's pretty much the same and it's set in stone. So it's really easy for me to be able to maintain it um, without having my husband, you know, punching the numbers. All I have to do is just bring the numbers uh, from the previous month onto the current month. Um, we tried many different budget softwares, such as Budget, Mint.com, BudgetSimple.com, and even EveryDollar.com. And uh, honestly, a good old pen and paper sometimes does the job for us. We still use, right now, currently, we're using uh, Budget. Mm-hmm. So we still use software from time to time, um, but I also keep like a binder at home and a little notebook at home where I write down. Um, all of our financials, so it's easy for Tal to be able to pull it and look at, look at it anytime that he sees fit. But a key point about it is, is that Tal and I, we both have access to all of our financials. Um, so he has access to the online account, so he can go on at any time, so we're not hiding anything. He can see the numbers. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, that's pretty much how we manage it. It's really, really, it's, it's not a lot of work, and it's no stress on our part. And I think that it's important to have conversations throughout the month from time to time, so... For instance, you know, we have two trips that we're responsible for in September. And so we discuss, hey, um, you know, what do you want to put away towards that, you know, for the next few months so that when that time comes, we're all set. And it's just about really just keeping the dialogue going. You know, once you have that big meeting before the month starts, everything else is just kind of like follow up conversation. It doesn't require you both you know, pulling up to the computer necessarily and looking things over. But it's important that you keep the line of communication over, open because, you know, sometimes one can forget um, to, to budget something. And if you continue to talk, you know, oh, wait, such and such has a birthday this month. We need to get a gift. And so, you know, just follow up conversations like that. Don't think that once you have that one conversation before the month begins, like you can't make adjustments. You're always adjusting and you're always getting better. It's just that the more that you do it, the, the, the better at it that you get. Just don't stop. You know, even if you don't get it right the first month, which you won't, the point is learn from that and do better the next month. Absolutely. And I agree. I've tried with, um, tried different tools and but I just go back to the spreadsheet. <laughs> My good old spreadsheet is what I love using. I just 
That's what I tend to do. And definitely, I love the point on communication. I know that's something my husband and I have worked on over the years. Um, we've, you know, had hit some bumps in the road there, but we've, we've gotten a whole lot better because it's definitely that lack of communication on the personal finance piece and anything just definitely uh, put some stress and uh, some tension there for sure. So communication is huge. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. And speaking of uh, communication, I know that one of the biggest challenges with couples is actually talking about it. That puts a huge stressor, and you and I know that in a money is one of the top causes of divorce. So what would you say is your best advice or tip to help get that conversation started? Because I think Go ahead. I think it starts with transparency. Don't make the mistake that I did and try and hide things from your spouse. You got to remember, like we said earlier, you all are on the same team. Your spouse is your teammate, not your opponent. So it's going to be important that you Put all your pride to the side and lay everything out because for for starters, if you all don't have all the information about your current situation, there's no way to make a good game plan of attack to make the situation better. If you're only working with part of the information, then you can only solve part of the problem. So number one is be transparent. Put everything on the table. Too many people are walking around not even knowing exactly how much debt they're in. They have an idea and usually that idea is way off because they don't have all the necessary information to know. Uh, what exactly is going on. So usually we have one spouse who knows a little bit more than the other, and that's not good. You both should have a clear understanding of where you stand currently today financially so that you can prepare to move forward. The second thing is to maintain a level of respect because, again, you're not going to win without your spouse. You're not. You're going to have a very challenging time progressing forward if your spouse feels disrespected and they disengage because of the disrespect. So you got to understand that no matter where the debt came from, maybe all of it came from one spouse, whatever, we all make mistakes. It's not about yesterday. It's about what are we going to do today so that we have a better tomorrow. So it starts with you all being respectful of each other, knowing that despite who has what debt, you both have strengths that you all need to move forward. So you have to be able to be respectful and understand that, hey, what happened in the past is in the past. Now let's now that we have all the information, let's make a plan to move forward. So I think those two things are big. Being transparent, totally honest, and maintaining a level of respect. That will go so far in helping you get through this because it's gonna to be tough and you need to be on the same team to move forward. Absolutely. I love that. Absolutely love that. So give us the inside scoop. You've got the podcast, you've got YouTube videos. I mean, literally his and her money is all over (laughs) the web. So tell us a little bit about how his and her money was born. Yeah. um, You know, the reason a lot of people say that about us, about being all over the place and being on all the platforms, really, I have a background in education. And one of the things that they harp on us is that people learn differently. Mm -hmm. No two people learn exactly the same. There are multiple intelligences and there are multiple learning styles. And so that's why we have video content. We have audio content. We have written content. And it's because we have such a passion to set people free from the bondage that being in debt brings. And so however we have to produce that content, whether it's on our YouTube channel, on our podcast, or on our website, hisandhermoney.com, 
which is our aim to get you that. So we, we jumped on Periscope. We're about to jump on Snapchat. Whatever we have to do <laughs> to make sure that you understand that you have the opportunity, you have the ability, you have the power to change your financial situation, then, you know, we're going to do it. Um, but to keep, uh, like, our center hub is, of course, our website, hisandhermoney.com. You can find links to everything that we do and all the other platforms there. So that's the place to keep in touch with us the best. Yeah, our platform was pretty much birthed um, out of the fact that we had a lot of couples that would always reach out to us and we'd sit down and counsel them financially. So, and it's, uh, it's truly the passion of ours. So we said, hey, why not put it out online? Um, just to help others, and we've been doing that now, what, going on? Two years. Almost two years, and okay. we love it. We love every second of it. We love to get the reports, the testimonials, the emails, uh, people saying that they're debt-free and what they learn from us. So, yeah, it's truly a ministry um, that we're really grateful to God that he's placed in our hands. He trusted us with it to be able to share with the nation. Yeah, we were just, before we logged on to this interview, we were just reading a testimonial of a person who was just saying just that, how they, that's it, they're debt-free, they just accomplished their goal. And so when we read testimonials like that, it's just so encouraging and it lets us know that what we're doing is effective and people are getting the message. Absolutely. I can't agree more. And sometimes I say just reading the emails, the messages that I get, if, you know, if those, those words, if that can be a currency, I mean, that, <laughs> I yeah. mean, that is just, it's a huge, it's just so rewarding uh, to see that and that just because you took it upon you, you had the heart, the willingness to serve that your voice can impact someone and can make a difference because they completely resonated with your message and everything. And that to me is just a huge, huge thing. Yeah, it's totally mind blowing. But but again, it just shows us that what we're doing is the right thing. And we just and that's why we keep doing it, because we know that people are being helped. And really, at the end of the day, that's why Ty and I do what we do is to help people. Absolutely. Love it. So since you are in uh, help couples and all are about couples and money, what what is your take on, and this could be a controversial topic, if you will, uh, on joint or separate accounts well, as a couple? Not controversial for us. <laughs> we are one, so that means everything is one. We don't just share the same bed and share the same children. We share the same bank account. Okay. So, yes, no. We, we, we believe marriages are covenant agreements, not contractual agreements. And so we're not business partners, we're life partners. And so everything we do, we do it together. I love it. Because I know I've, uh, of course, ended up talking to different couples. There's different perspectives and uh, in different, um, obviously, different upbringings. There's so many things. So I was just curious what your take on I was thinking it might be that. <laughs> Wonderful. So during your marriage, uh, what would you say is the worst money purchase? During the marriage? Well, we tried our hand in investing in real estate right before the bubble burst in 2008. And we ended up losing tens of thousands of dollars in the process Mm-hmm. Uh, we thought what we were doing was smart. You know, all the people on TV were flipping houses, so why not us? Right. And uh, we went out there, fell on our face, but uh, by the grace of God, we've been able to recover. But that was definitely the biggest uh, financial mistake that we made. All right. But it's not going to deter us from doing it again. We will be doing it again. Um, but we, our timing, the timing was just... Right. It's about timing. It's yeah. about the location. It's about right. so right. many different things. You definitely have to... 
the uh, I just sold real estate uh, for a while. So you, there's so many factors in there. Well, yep. how about the best money purchase? The best money purchase. It's a good one. Hmm. Probably all the money that we've invested in books and okay. knowledge. I think that far too many people don't invest in themselves. They invest in clothing, cars, all things that don't go up in value. But when you invest in yourself, man, the fruit that comes from that is immense. And so although, you know, Ty has a degree in finance and worked for one of the largest financial institutions in the world, and I have a degree in education and I've been working in education for years. We never stop growing in our knowledge because we want to continue to know what's going on. We want to continue to be better. We want to continue to be in the know when it comes to our financial situation. So I think that investing in, we've invested in books. We've gone to uh, personal finance conferences. We've taken uh, courses and all of that has just paid off in dividends because, again, it, it just feeds our knowledge base and allows us to, in turn, not only just help ourselves and our children, but help other families that are around us. Yeah, for me, I would probably say the best uh, thing that we probably spent our money on, I would probably say would be giving. Um, mm-hmm. we, there's no better joy um, for us than we can give. And being debt-free, completely out of debt, except our mortgage, we're on our way of being debt-free with that, but... Um, it has allowed us to be able to be a blessing to so many people, different families, uh, different situations. We've been able to give with them knowing and without them knowing. So I would probably say that probably would be my top choice. That's beautiful. And you spoke about books. What would you say is your best money book? I'm sure one of some of those books revolve around the topic of money. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I would say for starters, like if you're just trying to get your feet underneath you, I would definitely start with Dave Ramsey's book, The Total Money Makeover. I agree. Um, A next level type book is Tony Robbins' new book uh, called Master Your Money. It is incredible, but it's a little more lofty in 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 its information. So it depends on where you're at in your journey. Um, I would read one or both of those. Yeah, and a lot of people are probably going to be like, what, is she really going to say this? But a lot of people don't realize that the Bible also has um, a lot to say about sure. how we should handle our money. And so we find that when we open the Bible and we read what our, our Father God has to say about how we should handle our money, I mean, it's really profound, really, to see that in the Bible. And it, and it teaches us how we should handle our money on an everyday basis. I mean, the borrower, a slave to the lender. Um, so I would probably say, I would probably put the Bible in there as well, too. Okay, perfect. That is, that is a very true statement there. Mm-hmm. Now, As you know, because we're going to wrap it up, as you know, this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it. So I want to get both your perspectives on finishing, especially you, Talat, since you're a male, (laughs) is uh, finish this sentence, her money matters because. Because the Bible even talks about the money is a defense. And her money matters because if you don't master your money, you're going to be living a life without a proper defense, and you're always going to be under attack from Sally Mae, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, because you haven't put a defense around you. You haven't acquired the knowledge necessary. You haven't taken the action steps necessary in order to position yourself to prosper. So that's why her money matters. 
perfect. And how about you, Ty? Why would you say her money matters? Of course, uh, his money matters too, but I wanted a man's perspective. Yeah, I, I love what my husband said, um, so I second that. But I also would say uh, her money or his, his money matters uh, because it will allow you to live your purpose. So many people um, are not living out their true purpose or even their true passion or desire in life because they're, you know, burned out with so much debt. And so, um, yeah, so that's what I was saying. Nothing fancy, not, nothing too deep, but yeah, that's it. Well, that's beautiful. Well, I really appreciate you joining me uh, today. You've been so much fun to talk to. I've always, like I said, I've been a fan. I've enjoyed everything you know from the podcast to the youtube videos and i'll be sure to all link um, that up in the show notes so i really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today and i'm sure i'll be connecting with you soon thank you so much and we appreciate all the work that you're doing to help women become more educated in their finances as well so keep up the good work oh you too you all too what did you think of today's power couple? They were fantastic, weren't they? I really loved Talat's analogy with Michael Jordan and BJ Armstrong and how he mentioned that they were each playing to one's strength. I'm going to get more into some of my thoughts in a minute, but first I wanted to go ahead and give a shout out to a special lady in Florida. She, Her name is Maria Elena, or in English, the English pronunciation, if you will, uh, Maria Elena, and she's a member of a free Her Money Matters community. Now, she shared with me that she has a struggle with budgeting, talking about money. She's uh, more of an emotional spender. So talking about money and her husband's a saver. So talking about money um, has been very stressful to the point where she can get defensive just because she uh, spends is an emotional uh, spender. Now, she decided uh, because of uh, a recent loss in the family of her mom and uh, some things that were happening um, at home or in the family that she needed to know uh, what was going on with the finances because she, she reached a point where it's enough is enough. She needs to know. So even though she was dreading this, uh, this was something that she was going to commit to and she did the uh, jumpstart your money mini guide and while listening to episode 14. And as much as she struggled uh, getting through it, uh, she uh, got through it. She um, she is clear on the numbers. She implemented, uh, put them in uh, a budget spreadsheet as well. And so I want to say congratulations because I know that is a huge step. That is a huge smile, uh, milestone. And I know there's more to come. So I'm excited for you. Now, if you are in a similar situation like Maria Elena, where you fear your numbers, that it's just thinking about it just makes you want to run away or want to make you hurl. There's different reasons for it. And uh, maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's uh, some sort of fear of something. There's a layer that you need to peel and figure out why. There's a reason behind that fear. And you need to dig deep and figure out why that is. Because until you do, this will be just keep coming back. Uh, so you need to figure that reason behind uh, why you're fearing this, why it makes you st sick to your stomach. Uh, just 
do some self-reflection. I know Maria Elena did, and she dug deep. She dug into her money story and figured this all out, okay? Um, and as she was doing that, even though she was still having a hard time, she mentioned how she meant, uh, how she told herself that uh, these are just numbers, right? Because I have mentioned that in the past. The numbers are just, that's all it is. They're numbers. You need to figure them out so you can, uh, to establish a baseline uh, to start to work from. And also you can, uh, when, if you're doing this and you're in the process of figuring out where the money is uh is being spent uh, so you can get clear on your finances. A thing that you can do is as you're doing it, maybe you're getting overwhelmed. Uh, you can just uh, talk to yourself. I know it sounds silly, but you can uh, ask yourself, how can I make this simple, right? Ask yourself questions like that, that will trigger your brain to start thinking that way versus thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to hurl. Oh my gosh. Uh, I don't want to do this. Uh, if you keep thinking that, it's not going to make your life easier. So trick your brain, uh, if you will, uh, and ask yourself, how can I make this simple? How can I get through this? Uh, because you can definitely do that. So Maria Elena, I want to congratulate you and celebrate that accomplishment. And I can't wait to hear uh, how else you progress. So let's get back to the my takeaway from the interview uh, and the love for the analogy. Now, I'm not going to talk sports uh, like Talent did because I'm just not a sports type person. Unless you talk about soccer, then I can talk to you uh, about sports. But I definitely agree on with your partner, figuring out each other's. That's a conversation that you can both have if you, if talking money is, it's very hard for you and your spouse, uh, one conversation that is easier to have, uh, instead of talking directly about the numbers, what's being spent, what's not being spent, what's being overspent, whatever the case may be, is to talk, get to know each other and talk about what are your strengths, uh, what you enjoy doing as far as the money management and what you don't enjoy doing. So that's just a tip for you that you can do uh, with your spouse just to have a conversation if you're having troubles talking about money. And I also wanted uh, to mention that even though this podcast is targeted for women, um, of course, if you listen to the first podcast, I do this so I can, because I want to talk money in a way that is more interesting to you as a female, that is more appealing, but of course, uh, his money matters too. And one of the reasons that, um, I feel so passionate about doing this is not, is yes, to educate you, but a part of it too is once you are confident, once you have achieved um, s- several things, whatever it is that you've wanted to achieve with your finances uh, and gain that confidence, that's going to uh, strengthen your the relationship. That's going to help you make fi- um, better decisions, uh, financial decisions. So this podcast, yes, it helps women be confident, um, more knowledgeable on finances, 
but it has also the effect that it helps the men in the sense that you are uh, more than uh, you are able to be more confident and uh, talk better about money, and therefore it just helps the relationship get stronger. So I hope that makes sense and I didn't go on a rant about that. So that is just a little bit, some tidbits that I wanted to share with you from my takeaway uh, from the interview today. So let's wrap it up. That uh, is it uh, for today. I did uh, want uh, to remind you that if you are looking for a no-brainer way uh, to work with me, uh, and one that is affordable uh, for many people, I encourage you to look into my Fearless Money Sisterhood monthly membership program. Depending on when you are listening to this, uh, enrollment could be open uh, or it could be closed because I open enrollment four times a year. But if you go to jenhempill.com forward slash fearless, you can put your name and email to be notified on when enrollment opens. Or if you go to that jenhempill.com forward slash fearless and you are able to join at that time, that means enrollment is open. So uh, go ahead and, and do that. Check it out. See if it's something of interest for um, for you uh, because we have a lot of fun. Uh, we uh, the ladies in there do work hard uh, and you definitely get a lot of support from them, from me, and it definitely can make an impact on your financial future. So thanks again for listening today. I want to thank Ty and Talat for joining us and sharing their money story, your insights. So in order to uh, find where to find them at, uh, you can look at the show notes and uh, at jenhempill.com forward slash 56. So thanks again, and I will talk to you again next Thursday. 